Welcome to Glory City Church tonight. <laughs> if it's your first time here with us, you've chosen a great night to be here because we have our youth takeover night tonight. If you're new, we also have a gift for you. So would you raise your hand if you're new and the ushers will bring a gift around. There's someone over there. <laughs> okay, I have an exciting announcement for you. Next Friday is our monthly miracle meeting with the amazing Pastor Catherine. Miracles are not just for us, but a great way to see people who are far from God realize he loves them and that he is real. So a few years ago, I was sharing the gospel on the streets with a Muslim girl. She was a teenager, probably a little bit older than I am now. Um, she wasn't allowed to be a Christian until she was at least an adult because that was the rules. And she had injured her knee and she couldn't play sport or walk around very well at all and so I knew God would heal her so I prayed for her knee and she was healed she started running up and down the hill that we were on um yeah and then her and her brother they started crying and they called up their father and they um he was like if she was actually healed then she could become a Christian so they both became Christians started going to church and she was healed Miracles show people that Jesus is Lord and that he loves them. So invite people who don't know Jesus to church and they will experience him. Invite them next Friday for our miracle meeting. It starts at 7pm with amazing Pastor Catherine. I hope to see you there. Now I have the honour of leading us into tithes and offering. So I want to remind us that we're made in God's image and God is generous. So when we give... We give with a generous heart because it's who we are. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 6 to 7 says, My point is this, the person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the person who sows generously will reap generously. Each one of you should give just as he decided to in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, because God loves a cheerful giver. When we give generously, we open the door for God's blessings to flow into our lives. And it's not about how the amount we give, but the heart behind it. God loves a cheerful giver, one who gives for joy, gratitude, and a desire to be part of his work. Some of us, including me, as students, who may not have a lot of money, but we can still give generously from what we do have. Giving from a generous heart with enthusiasm and a willingness to participate in what God is doing. When we give, we're investing into the kingdom of God. We're joining our heart and our finances with God to make a difference in our church, our community, and in the people around us' lives. So here's a challenge for all of us, no matter our age. Let's approach giving with a heart of generosity. And let's approach giving with a heart full of faith and expectancy. Let's give generously, not only finances, but also with our time, talents, and prayers. Let's be cheerful givers, knowing that God sees our hearts and rewards our faithfulness. Let's remember that our giving is an act of worship, an expression of our love and honour towards God. And God promises to bless those who give with a joyful heart. So let's joyfully give today. You can give online through the ways on the screen or up the back in the giving station. 
Now I'm just going to pray. Thank you, God, that you're a provider and you love to bless us. Thank you that you bless each person here. And I thank you that you give seed to those who are sowing and you multiply the seed that is being sown so that we have more than enough to do all that you have for us to do. Amen. Now, it's my honour to introduce someone who is absolutely awesome. He and his wife give so much of their time into investing in my generation and sharing the gospel. So please be upstanding as we welcome the fantastic Pastor Alan Palmer. Yeah. Wasn't expecting that. Look at this on cue. Have a look at this. Who, who trains these bunnies, eh? Bless the Lord. Woohoo. All right, everyone may be seated. I didn't quite expect that sort of introduction. Yeah. Woohoo. Who's having a good time? How good is it to just see the young people ministering, hey? How good is it? A few of them have got the jitters off their chest because they've actually done it now, but we're going to put a few more through their paces yet tonight. So um, my job's to make a few, make it hard for a few of them. So uh, it'll be good. What I'd like to do is I'd like to spend a few moments just to, I'm going to interview um, a few people. Um, and so I'm going to be standing myself and I would like somebody by the name of Cooper Gaylard to come like wandering from somewhere. Look at that. On cue, on cue. Mate, take, take a seat. If you want to go on the other side there, we'll put the lady in the middle. And Emily Palmer, where is she? Here she comes. Yeah. And what a privilege it is for my wife and I to, uh, to look after the youth. We, we have a ball. It's a load of fun. And hopefully we're going to have some fun now. Woo! All right. So these these two these two guys and gals these are awesome. I got pretty good families too, by the way. Um, we're going to play. We're going to play. Have you? We haven't got a second mic. Where's the second mic? Look at this, man. I thought we had this like practice down to a T. All right. We're going to we're going to play. We're going to play a, a game for a second just to help these two get used to being up here. So, so you're all going to participate in this. And what we're going to do is we're going to vote on who up here is the youngest. Now, I'd like a few votes, all right? Um, but I understand why if I don't, all right? All right, so, so I'll be standing. I'd like people to stand up if they think I'm the youngest. <laughs> yeah, I love these people, man. Oh, kick against the goads. Um, Emily, why don't you be standing? Who would like to vote for Emily as being the youngest? Hey, we got one. Great you. Yes. Great you. All right, be seated, Emily. Okay, Coops. All right, who thinks it's Cooper? Yeah. All right, thank you, everybody. The reason why I raise that, one, if you don't know, Emily's actually my daughter. That's why I was saying I think her family's pretty cool. Um, but, but I know that Emily quite often gets um, told that she's a lot younger than what she actually is. Um, 
And so I was just interested to see if there were some people in the audience that might have chosen Emily. You know um, me too well. It was misleading. <laughs> over Cooper. Um, as it stands, Emily's actually finished university um, and is, is working. Um, Cooper is still in school. Um, and so um, for the one individual, excellent, thank you. I was hoping you might have had a few more. Um, there we go. Now, um, the reason why I've, I've decided to get these two up here is... Um, one, they're both pretty cool people, but there's some quite differences um, uh, between the two of them other than what's obvious um, from, from the audience. Um, they're both Christian, I think. Hands up. Yep, we got a nod. Good. So. There we go. First tick. Um, but they come from quite different uh, Christian backgrounds, and so we want to explore that a little bit. And, and both of them have also received a personal healing, which is quite significant. And so we want to explore that as well. What do you reckon? All right, Emily, why don't you give the mic to Cooper? How you going, mate? Not too bad. All right. Now, just, just to help you out, who liked the guitarist tonight? Hey! It's hard to pick a guitarist when they don't have the guitar in front of them, right? So here he is. That's the guitarist right there. Sick. So well done. Now, Cooper. Yes. Other than being a great bloke, mate, you gave your heart to the Lord. How long ago was that? Um, I'd, I'd like to say like quite a, quite a bit, like more than a year. Yeah. So there we go. Under two years. Wow, wow, wow. Yeah. All right. Emily, how long have you been a Christian? I was born. He <laughs> <laughs> was no, born a Christian. I've been raised um, in a Christian family, so... I guess there always comes a point where it becomes your own decision, but I've not known anything else. Yeah, life. right. And and do you remember when you gave your heart to the Lord? Did did you notice any change or anything happen at that point? Mm. Um, not at that point, actually. I was probably like maybe eight years old. And funny story is actually Pastor Catherine was visiting in our church and um, we didn't come here, obviously. <laughs> and um, she... Gave the call for salvation and I went, I haven't done that before. So I did it. Um, but I think, yeah, I was young and I had always been walking in that and it was just a decision that I made that day. Yeah. Cool. All right, so let's come back to that. Cooper, how on earth does a young fellow like you, a man of the world, decide to give your heart to the Lord? What, what, what happens? So my dad um, has a friend. Her name's Kirsten. She is in Western Australia. And she, like, watches Glory City, like, online. Hey! And, <laughs> and, um, and Kirsten was like, oh, Dad, you, oh, Cameron, you should, you should come and uh, visit this church. It's pretty cool. I've seen it online. And so here we go. We go to the Glory City. And um, uh, when I first got here, I had no idea because, like, all my vision of a church was just a Catholic church, you know, very kind of, you know. <laughs> and, um, yeah... <laughs> So, and um, when I came here, I was like, oh, you know, this, this is cool. Like, I, I like this. And I, and I felt that I wanted a relationship with God because, like, you know, all these people coming up for healings and, you know, saying, you know, that their life is going great. They're walking with the Lord. I was like, well, I want that as well. So, I, uh, yeah. yeah, I did it. Awesome. And, mate, what's, what's changed inside? Anything changed in here for you? Yeah, like, I 
obviously I just want to go after the Lord every day. Like I want to serve in church. I want to, you know, I, I love praying, I love talking to God. And yeah, I, I found myself turning like away from all like the bad little habits that I've done and, and like starting to try and honour the Lord yeah. more and more. Yeah. Can we clap to that? Hey, hey. Who says God's not real? How, you know, how can that happen without God? Bless the Lord. All right, Emily. So you've given your heart to the Lord. Yep. Was there a point after that where you felt something change in your life? Mm, yeah, I would say it was probably when I was baptised in the Holy Spirit um, at about 13. And it was something that I had been seeking the Lord for for like weeks at church. I was like, come on, let's do it. <laughs> and then it was like a process. Um, and there was one day in worship that I was just worshipping in the crowd and I was like, wow, I am... Um, I was made for this. Like I was made yeah. for the Lord. I was made to worship him. And I think that was a significant turning point for me. Isn't that crazy at 13? Woohoo! Praise the Lord. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, so, so that's great. Um, so back to Cooper for a second. So, mate, what about, what about from a family point of view? So um, you've got a great family. I love your family. I see them down there. Woohoo! Um, <laughs> What, what, a, what a transformation. What have, you, what have you noticed without giving the secrets away of the household? But what's, what's changed in, inside your family? Well, um, a lot has changed. Like now, like not only do we all like love, love Jesus, but, yeah. you know, just even like the changes of coming to church every week and, and praying. We have like every like, I think it's, we try and do every like few nights. We have like a little little prayer and, you know, we have, Caitlin and Christian come over uh, like once every fortnight and we are, yeah, we're praying there. Um, yeah, we've just like completely like changed as a family because like my dad was saying before, um, when he wasn't like, you know, walking with the Lord, he said that he can't even remember his, his kind of like past life. Like, he's like totally born again. Absolutely. How cool is that? All right, so, so the power of God to, to transform a family like... That just excites me. And, and, you know, so, you know, it doesn't matter what's happening in our life. You know, God is there and actively working on behalf of families and individuals. And what, what, a, what an awesome transformation for the Gaylard family. Um, we, we love them very much in this house. So that's pretty cool. Um, so, Emily, we probably don't want to talk too much about your family. Um, if you want to say right. something good about your father... Um, <laughs> But sure, that's that's cool. Um, is there is there what's the benefit of being born into a Christian home, if there are any? Mm. <laughs> so many. Um, I think besides the obvious things like um, growing up with um, like great role models in my life and having people that I look have looked up to all my life that serve the Lord and love the Lord. Um, I think something that I probably undervalued as a kid was all of the opportunities that you probably don't call opportunities as a kid about mm. serving and, um, you know, there's, a, there's always a lesson in selflessness and, you know, realising that we're all, we're all a part and we all contribute something um, and just learning that from a young age that we all have something to serve the Lord with and do it. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And serving in that case is... You know, setting up chairs every week, carrying a drum kit to church every week, you know, all those types of things that you grow up as little kids doing. So that's pretty cool. All right, let's 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 move on to 
to healing. Because this, this is pretty cool. All right, so, so maybe you got the mic, Emmy. Why don't you just um, give us a little rundown on what you had happening in your life? Yeah. Um, so I have had Crohn's disease. I was diagnosed a couple of years ago, but I think I had it my whole life. <laughs> um, and, yeah, I was, um, had, was on a super strict diet. I could eat, like, five things. And... Um, yeah, just was consumed with fear about it, about my future um, and the health of my body. And then, do you want me to keep going? No. No, okay. Let's that's where I was. That's let's give the microphone. I'm in control here. Great. Um, <laughs> give the phone to Coops. Cooper, tell us, what, um, what did you have, mate? I don't even know what it was, but <laughs> it was something on, like, my arm. And it, I think it, it was something like a blood disease. And what... What it did is it put little things, like little, I don't know how to describe them, but little growths uh, in parts of my body. And they're really like, you know, scratchy, uh, you know, they're just really annoying. And there's no real cure for them. Like, you just kind of got to wait and hope that it would go away. Like, <laughs> you know, if you get it, you kind of like, you kind of have to live with it. And, um, but then, yeah, one time I think I went to a miracle meeting and um, Jesse Cheeseman, prayed for me and um you know it, it had like a like a band-aid on it and whatever and I went home and then um yeah I was like coming with full faith for this because yeah and then I woke up the next day I was like I totally forgot about it and I was just doing my you know walking around I think I was doing some chores and um I was like hold up and I like opened the band-aid and like there wasn't even like a scar it was just completely gone yeah like, how good how good. And, and how long ago was that, Cooper? No idea. Um, about, about over a year ago, yeah. Yeah, so it's around the time you got saved, hey? Yeah, like only like I'd say a few months after that, yeah. Yeah, how good. I actually remember it. Yeah, That's that, awesome. How that, cool is God? Mm. Yeah, all right, let's go back to him, him. Now you can tell us. Uh, this is the exciting part. <laughs> um. Yeah, so was experiencing that disease and then um, came to church one night, like I do, and um, just received prayer and was really touched by the Holy Spirit and knew that something had changed, um, even though I didn't feel it. And in the weeks after, I didn't necessarily feel it straight away, but knew that um, I knew that spiritually I had received my healing, and so I continued to stand on that. And just continue believing and believing. And over time, it just reduced and reduced and reduced. And now I've been symptom-free for like a year. Um, eating everything, which yeah. is like How good. such a blessing. Yeah. Yeah, And so, so just so to elaborate on that, so, so you didn't receive, you couldn't see it in the physical. Correct, at first. Yeah, isn't that in that. So different to Cooper's experience. Yeah, so Cooper, he, he went to McDonald's, right? He just got the fast food and God works in, in McDonald's. Um, Emily went to the health food store. You've got to eat it for years before it makes any help. All right? So, but, but both, both here this evening, we can credit glory to God that God has changed lives. And I know, you know, 
self-esteem or whatever it is for Cooper and, and just the fact that I can cook with more foods in the house um, is absolutely awesome. So other than the fact that um, she's able to eat anything. So and that the fear that plagued my life about my health and my future is yes. gone. How good. All right, let's end. All right, stand up, guys. Let's give them another clap. Let's thank the two. All right, you guys may be seated. I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you got to know Cooper and Emily a little bit better. All right, we might have a pulpit up here if that's all right, if we've got a helper somewhere. Now, well, I'm looking for somebody. There she is. Let's be standing and let's honour Lily Taskus. Now, Lily is one of our youth leaders now. She graduated recently and has been a leader with us for 12 months. She's an awesome girl. We love her very much. And um, she has shared in uh, youth before and done an excellent job. And um, so I... I'm expecting that you're going to go great, Lil. Stop it, I like it. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Man, how good was that? Amazing. Such a, such a funny lad. Um, I would like to thank Pastor Alan and Rowena for giving me this opportunity to share tonight. They have done such a great job organizing everyone, and it's so amazing to see all the young people wanting to be involved. And of course, to thank our beautiful senior pastor for making space for the youth to come and share. Why don't we give them a hand? So tonight I felt led to speak about feeding your faith and destroying all doubt. Now, (laughs) what does faith look like? Well, Hebrews 11 explains it beautifully. Verses 1 and 6 say, Now faith is the assurance of all things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. And without faith it is impossible to please him, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. God has assured you for the things you are hoping for, and he has given you the conviction for what is unseen. Some of you may be asking, how do we do this? Continuously, well, I'd like to propose to you that the key to living in consistent faith and in pleasing God is through renewing your mind. In order to live faith-filled lives, this is so important. As Romans 12 verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Just looking at this scripture, let's break down what it's saying. We resist earthly mindsets and ideals by not conforming to the ways of the world. To be conformed means to conform oneself, one's mind and one's character to another's pattern. So we are called So we are being called to go against the grain and culture of this world. Then we are able to be transformed by the renewal of our mind. Renewal means renovation and complete change for the better. And this is what is going to transform us. And in the context of the scripture, that word word transform is actually where we get the word metamorphosis. So this is truly going to change us in nature and essentially take us from being a little slug to a butterfly. This is through testing it, through, <laughs> through analyzing it, and by proving that this is the will of God. Then we will be living inside God's will and promises, proving promises which, as we know, bears good fruit and he is faithful to.
But undoubtedly, there will be opposition, and this can come through doubts, distraction, and even pride. Now, pride is a very sneaky thing that we can very easily slip into. It prevents the Lord from having his hand on our lives because we are choosing to do it our way. Instead of surrendering to him, our will is not the same as God's will. We require humility to ask the Lord to guide and teach us and to set our paths straight. Being humble requires you to have faith in the Lord that he will look after it all. And in order to live this way, we must renew our mind every day. Otherwise, the revelation fades. This way, your mind understands what your heart has experienced. So your life is built on a firm foundation. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 22 says, To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Meant once that old self is gone, you are completely free to live your life according to the purposes of God. Now, according to Ephesians 4.24, you need to put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. You can't do one without the other or else there'll be an empty spot left. It needs to be replaced with your new self. So renewing your mind and coming before the Lord in humility keeps lies and doubt away and aligns your heart to God's. Now, what's the opposite of faith? To put it quite simply, it's doubt. What kind of doubt are we talking? Well, it comes in many forms when we doubt our relationship with Christ, God's promises, our place in the world, and quite literally anything important to you. But when you aren't standing on your firm foundation, which is Jesus, you will be shaken. Worry ceases when we ah, surrender to God. Because in truth, it is fear that holds us back from full surrender. Galatians 5 verse 1, for freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm therefore and don't submit. Again to a yoke, don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. Fear is a yoke of slavery. But Christ has set us free so there's no need to worry. When doubt tells us to distance ourselves from Jesus, we destroy it by drawing closer to him. Through his word, worship and prayer. Now, on a much lighter note, let's remember that God is always with us. His character is holy, righteous, truthful, and just. 2 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 3. But the Lord is faithful. He will establish you and guard you against the evil one. But when we choose him, his faithfulness and mercy is known to us. Having faith in God doesn't stop after we accept him in our lives. It is just the beginning. God has designed it so that the just shall live by faith. Faith looks like something. It brings blessings, healings, breakthroughs, signs, wonders, rest, and many other good things. Through renewing your mind, you can set aside doubt and step into fullness of faith. John 3:16, which we'd all be very familiar with. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We feed our faith through knowing his love. For God so loved the world. If he loves us enough to send his perfect son for us, he loves us enough for financial breakthrough, persistent peace in anything that you have been believing for. Some practical ways to feed your faith is to replace panic with fear. Uh, prayer. Do not, <laughs> do not replace your panic with fear. That is a slippery slope. <laughs> We're replacing it with prayer. <laughs> when a spirit of fear comes over us, 1 John chapter 4, verse 18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. <laughs> and whoever, fear, whoever fears has not been perfected in love. Most often these fears are lies. 
Rather than panic, we should pray. Freaking out is not a spiritual gift. Faith is. (laughs) Another thing to allow. Another thing is to allow God's peace to pass all of our knowledge and our understanding. God looks after the after the emotional life of our hearts and minds, when we stand with him against fear. It is not the absence of trouble that brings peace, but the presence of God. And the spirit of God drives out the spirit of fear. I'll just share a little testimony where I had to put my faith before, like doubt and fear. Um, A couple years back when I was on a road trip with half of my family, which was not a rare event, we did it very often, A few hours into the drive, I had this strong sense that someone in my family would die in a car accident that day. And because I was going to be in the car for eight hours, I was like, I'm being paranoid and unreasonable. This is ridiculous. But that urgency to pray just kept coming back. So that's what I did. Every time doubt or fear would enter my heart again, I would just pray and that fear would be lifted. And it happened many times on this drive. I didn't end up having the full understanding of why I needed to intercede and pray for my family, but I thought I knew what it looked like at the time. So that night after driving and arriving at our destination, I was like, we are all fine. Like, it's good. We cleared it. Thank you, Jesus. And then a couple hours later, my brother runs into my room. He was about 10 at the time. And he's like, Lily, Grace just got into a car accident and has this big smile on his face. And I'm like, oh that's a joke. You're joking. And he was like, I'm not kidding. So I was like, oh. So I went and checked and it turns out that she was a passenger in her friend's car. He didn't give way at a four-way intersection and what we believe was a drunk driver in his ram ute was speeding and rammed into the side of their vehicle on the passenger door. My sister said that when she turned her head and saw the car, she felt overwhelmed by peace and the impact only caused a bruise. This just shows that putting our faith in the Lord triumphs over all fear. (laughs) Doubt is the unbelief in faith which comes from the thief. John chapter 10 verse 10. The thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus has won every battle and has conquered it all. And we as children of Christ are joined in that victory. Every giant must bow to the name of Jesus. I encourage you to put your faith in Jesus in every aspect of your life this week, whether it's big or small. Let's just close in a prayer. (laughs) Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for all that you were doing here tonight. I thank you for your son, Jesus, where eternity is only accessed through him. I pray for an increase in faith in your church, Lord, and we rebuke all fear, doubt, and lies of the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. If you'd like to be standing to welcome up our next speaker, he is one of our wonderful youth leaders, and he always has something really great, encouraging, and amazing to share. So I'd like to welcome up Oliver Palmer. Really awesome, Lily. Um, I loved how you wrapped up there talking um, about overcoming fear, because that's what I am talking about tonight. Um, But just to add to what you were saying there, Lily, about um, standing in faith, I can remember after Emily got prayer that night, 
she went home and as she said, not many of her symptoms actually changed. And for months then she needed to stand in faith. Like she, I, I can remember times when she was disheartened and dad was just like, no, you, like you stand on faith. You keep declaring the enemy can't have a foothold. And over time she got healed to the point of where there is no sign of it in her body anymore. And she's had tests and it's gone as well. So encourage that to, to like stand on your faith and believe what the Lord has said. All right, so I'm talking about um, being bold and taking courage. So as believers of Jesus, we know we are set free and made pure, made holy, made righteous, and we become new creations. We get to walk in utter and absolute freedom. But we also know that we have an enemy who, roars around, who wanders around like a roaring lion. But we know he's just like a roaring lion. He's not actually a roaring lion. So you don't need to be scared of him. Um, and so one of the old classic tricks he uses is fear. Um, whether that be maybe who's, who's actually experienced. You're like walking around. You're just, I don't know, you're walking at night. You're even during the day. And out of nowhere, you just suddenly have this irrational fear come over you. And you can't pinpoint where it's come from, what the trigger was, or anything like that. I'm sure we've all experienced that. Yeah, hands up. Yeah, look at that. That's just the devil sneaking in and trying to get a foothold in your life. Because if he has you in fear, he takes away your freedom, takes away your joy, and takes away your peace. So I want to talk about when the enemy comes with those lies, what we can practically do to combat them. Because we know we have the victory in Christ, but what does that practically look like? So three strategies for combating the enemy when he comes at you with fear. First one, you declare who God is. Psalm 27 verse 1 says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now, this is a psalm written by David. I did some research into it. They believe it was when um, he was essentially running around the countryside like a madman because his son was trying to kill him. So if anyone has the right to curl up in a ball and be afraid and just fall apart, it's David, right? But what do we say he says? He doesn't firstly curl up in a ball. He doesn't complain to God about how terrified he is or how he sees no way out. What does he do? He says, you are my light. When there's light, there's hope, right? If you're in a tunnel and there's light at the end, you know you're going somewhere. He declares, you are my light. You are my salvation. The Lord is the stronghold of my life. That's interesting. If you're a visual person like me, I, I, I like to imagine things. So stronghold of my life. When fear comes, you can literally be like, hold on. The Lord, who likes who God is, he is my stronghold. You can think about strongholds in medieval times. They're massive walls and watchtowers and all this thick walls. Like no one can, no one can get in. That's who your God is. So when the fear comes, you know, nah, the Lord is my light and he's my stronghold. And you stand in that confidence. Psalm 91 says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Once again, who is God? He is our refuge, He is our fortress. Once again, going back to the idea of visualizing things, He's not, He is my fortress. I find my peace and my rest in Him. That's who my God is. So, first note is, it doesn't matter how big the fear is, how terrified you feel, how little it is, where there's just a little bit of panic and stress, our God doesn't change. He is our fortress, he is our stronghold, he is our light. And we stand on that because God never changes. What about strategy two, when the enemy comes and brings fear around the future, whether it be short term or long term? We know, good old classic Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope 
and a future. I feel like sometimes, at least me with me, I've heard this scripture my whole life and you just sort of breeze over it. Like my mom says it daily. Like it's her favorite scripture, her favorite. And I think we can brush over it like, yeah, 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 he's a, he's a future and a hope, plans to prosper us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, like stop and think about it. I was th- in like preparing for this, I was like, hold on, this is actually a really good scripture. And I was like, oh my goodness. And like, I want to remind you, like the truth is, his plans are to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope in the future. So if you look in your life and go, I have no idea where I'm going, what I'm doing, perhaps you're thinking about a meeting at the end of the week that's not going to go right. You can stand on this and say, uh-uh, my God says he has plans for me that give me a hope in a future. You declare that and you stand on that. Um, John 16 verse 33 says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. No matter what comes your way, God has overcome it. So when the enemy comes and says, ah, this situation is too big and too bad for you. You should worry about it. Oh, you should be scared of this thing because this will probably happen. You go, uh-uh, Jesus has overcome the world and he lives in me. And you stand on that. That's what God says. Um, for months now, I've had this phrase rolling around my head, um, Jesus is still on the throne. And I, I didn't really know why it was there until I was preparing for this. Um, and I realized I'm like, at times we can look at situations, whether it be family situations or just the general state of the world, and you can go, oh my goodness, what is going on? It's getting worse, blah, 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 blah. And I went, hold on, Jesus is still on the throne. And I was thinking about this, and I was like, when a king's on the throne, stuff can be going on in his kingdom. There might be, I don't know, let's give examples. There could be riots. There could be a bread shortage. There could be other kingdoms who are cranky. As long as that king is on the throne, he has utter control, utter authority, and utter supremacy. And no matter what's happening, whether there's riots in the streets or a bread shortage, none of that impacts the king's authority. And that is Jesus. Jesus is still on the throne. Every situation, every fear, whatever's going on, it bows its knee to Jesus. Jesus is still on the throne. And I keep saying it. Jesus is still on the throne in every situation. Um, Isaiah 9 verse 7 says, Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. So just to remind you, Jesus is still on the throne and he always will be. Because uh, there will be no end. Um, and Jesus also said, All authority in heaven, on, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Jesus is still on the throne. He has utter control, utter power. And he lives in us, right? Which is so exciting. And he says he formed us before anyone saw us. So he intricately cares for us. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, but he still deeply, deeply cares for us about everything. So fear about the future bows its knee to Jesus. Jesus is still on the throne. He cares deeply about you. So the things we've got, we got, when fear comes, we declare who God is. Then we declare what God says about our future. Both those things are true. The last one is, when fear comes, we declare who God says we are. In 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Bam. When it comes, you'd be like, "Uh uh-uh. I have a spirit of power, one, of love and of a sound mind. The enemy can't refute that. Why? This is in the word of God. It's the truth about you. Um, And I was reflecting on this. Um, spirit of power and a love of a sound mind. When fear comes, it makes us feel powerless, makes us feel alone, and our mind goes into jumbles. We have the 
absolute opposite spirit. Our spirit literally combats the fear when it comes, just of our new nature in Christ. Um, Proverbs 28 verse 1 says, The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as lions. Who has ever seen lions in the wild before? Nope. Okay. Oh, yeah, we've got someone on this side. Represent. Yes, Dylan. Um, I, I, I haven't, but I've seen some videos of them. The ones I like watching is there's a lion chilling on the ground, and there could be, I've seen videos, hyenas are all around them, like so many hyenas laughing at them, and the lion just sits there like, no, I don't care. So much boldness, so much confidence. You see them when they strut around the savannah. They don't have a care in the world. They know they are the top. They're the top of the food chain. They don't worry about it. And that's what God says about us. The righteous are as bold as lions. We are as bold as lions. Again, if you need to visualize something, all right, we're in the fortress, but we're not just in the fortress with Christ. I'm strutting around like a lion. I don't need to worry about that, right? Visualize it. See it in your head. (laughs) Um, Romans 8 verse 37 says, But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. We're not just bold as lions. We are conquerors through Christ. We're overcomers in Christ. And there are so many more scriptures about who we are in Christ. Um, Just get on Google, type it up, and you'll get, that's the truth about you, all those scriptures. So no matter the situation that comes your way, you can be like, this is what God says about me. This is who I am in Christ. So when fear comes a knocking, we remind ourselves who God is. He is our fortress. He is our ever-present help in time of need. He is our light and our salvation. We declare that. We declare who God is. And we declare our future in Christ. We remind ourselves that Jesus is still on the throne. His plans are good for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a hope and a future. Fear can't stay when you declare those things. And we declare who we are in Christ. We are as bold as lions. We are more than conquerors in Christ. We have the spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. We have the victory in Christ. When Jesus died on the cross 2,000 years ago, the victory was ours. It's just our job to walk in it. And when we believe who truly who God is and who we are in Christ and his plans for us, fear has to bow its knee. It can't stay because we have the dominant spirit. Thank you, Lord. When we declare these things in the word of God, fear can't stay. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. If you're here tonight um, and you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want to extend this invitation for you to to become a believer. By accepting Jesus, you're asking him to be Lord of your life, and he forgives you. He washes you clean in every wrong thing you have ever done. And he calls you his son. You no longer be wandering through life lost, but you get to be a son of God. And you get to walk in this confidence and this boldness and this joy that I've been talking about. So if that's you, if you want to ask Jesus into your heart, you want to make him Lord of your life, be set free, I ask you to raise your hand. Could we just, everyone, bow your heads? If that's you, if you want to make Jesus the Lord of your life, just ask you to raise your hand. I'd love to pray with you. Thank you, Lord. If that's you online, just write in the comments, I receive Jesus as my Savior. Just wait a little longer. 
you, Lord. We'll just say this prayer for anyone online that um, wants to receive Jesus. Just repeat this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, I I believe you are the Son of God. I, sorry, I, <laughs> I believe you are the Son of God. I ask that you'll forgive me of all my sin. I ask you into my heart. Be Lord of my life. Amen. Amen. If that was you, um, if you're in the building and you're too nervous to raise your hand and you prayed that for the first time, um, come and grab any of the leaders here in the front row and they'd love to 